Okay, good morning. Today is uh, Wednesday, June 14, 2023. Uh, I want to speak today on a couple of things that I've been thinking recently, continuing on from some earlier discussions in the last few months. Uh, what's happening here? Why? <laughs> uh, here what's happening with the human collective and <clears throat> there's certain phrases that have come to my mind or i'm trying to understand earth humanity better <laughs> and trying to understand why are things the way they are here um, meaning in society in the conditions of humanity based on psychology based on conditions of consciousness and mind, uh, tendencies, uh, metaphysical realities behind those tendencies that then go to decision and behavior and the phenomena of society, the social institutions, the continuance of um, patterns <clears throat> leading to manifestation and uh, conditions we have to deal with. Uh, it's a kind of metaphysical um, collective psychology, <laughs> a metaphysical approach to collective psychology, something like that. Uh, Meta-psychology, meta-psychology of the human collective. And there are a few sort of underlying themes that have come more clear to me, so I seem to believe. Um, number one, I think we need to understand that... Um, Humanity is uh, young in mind. These are young souls, not old souls. The young soul is the soul that has been reincarnating less than the old soul. Not better or worse, <clears throat> but of less experience. But this is not simply less experience in incarnation, but it's less experience with the human mind. But it's not simply that it's there's much more wait there's more uh, it's not simply having less experience with the human mind and therefore not really knowing how to order mind how to use mind to understand <clears throat> I mean a lot of people have a lot of potential or everyone has boundless potential but few people manifest that potential or seek to they don't they don't manifest because they don't seek to. Why don't they seek to? Why don't people seek rightly or deeply? If you don't find, it's because you're not seeking. If you seek, you find. When we find, it's because we're seeking sufficiently, meaning with enough uh, concentration and accuracy and persistence uh, to keep seeking and in the right way, in the right place, and thus we'll be finding. <clears throat> thus we come to know. And mm, this other phrases like young in mind coming to me or that I think are related and important. Uh, evolutionary stasis. Repeating in 3D um, is the result of, as Ra would say, not making efficient use of catalyst. Not the efficient use of catalyst and inefficient use of catalyst. Okay, so people are... <clears throat> souls that keep repeating are not learning from 
catalyst or not learning from experience or not learning as they keep living. And now everybody's that way to some degree. But uh, some people learn faster than others and some people know more than others and some people are centered on the path and most people here are not. The path meaning uh, evolution of mind-body-spirit. So the path is evolution of mind-body-spirit. Like Ross said, they'll learn the ways of love. Well, they're not sufficiently learning the ways of love, thus they keep repeating third grade and not graduating to fourth grade. Okay. Well, there, uh, there's something wrong with intention. There's, there's um, a screw loose <laughs> in the mechanics, in the machinery, or <clears throat> in the uh, deep mind that leads to um, a lack of understanding that people are not um, growing, a lack of understanding of what really is to one's long-term welfare and benefit. Evolution of mind-body-spirit is to one's long-term welfare and benefit. Learn the ways of love is to one's long-term welfare and benefit. That's a Buddhist phrase. Uh, the Dhammapada 183, 184, talking about the heart of Buddha Dhamma or the Buddhist teaching being avoid evil or harmful activity, cultivate goodness and virtue, purify mind. <clears throat> Nearly nobody seems to know that here. Or um, I don't see much result of that here. And yes, I can say young in mind, but that's not the whole story. Yes, uh, there is evolutionary stasis associated with um, the phenomenon of a collective of many souls continuing to repeat their density, not learning from their lives or learning as they, they don't live and learn. They live and don't learn. <clears throat> and um, there are various matters <laughs> that are interesting and important to consider. Now, it affects us too. To some degree, we're not seeking. To some degree, we're young in mind, for sure. Uh, for To some degree, we don't have right intention. And this is really about seeking. And I was looking through a Buddhist teaching, trying to find, is there any word associated with seeking, right? Seeking the seeker, a seeker, truth seeker, the spiritual seeker is one who seeks to evolve, mind, body, spirit knowing there is such a thing as mind-body-spirit, not just uh, YOLO, I'm just uh, you know, a human animal, which is the materialist, nihilist view, which is very well, uh, well present in society today. We know there's a work to do. Nearly nobody here knows there's a work to do, it seems. And I think it goes back to Heraclitus, or, or a pivotal principles or core principles associated with this uh, human collective whose dysfunctionality or distortion or uh, sorry state of affairs, basically warfare century after century, illness and sickness and conflict century after century, lifetime after lifetime, same old patterns on and on and on, um, is related to a few core matters. One is as Heraclitus said, they take the crowd for their teacher. When looking for right uh, behave, right action, or to decide right action, 
most young souls look to each other like little animals do. You know, the dog's barking here and down, down the road the other dog starts barking out of solidarity, I would think, and that's very nice. But um, if you look only to your peers for guidance, you may not know any better than they know. And so, um, yeah, commonly people look to the crowd for guidance. And so the crowd looks to the crowd. And so that goes to the madness of crowds or um, a continual repeating of similar patterns. And that's some unwillingness to stand alone or to be separate from the crowd. And that ties into an, uh, a hidden authoritarianism. So we've got 3D repeaters young in mind. We've got a condition of collective evolutionary stasis. We've got a um, looking to the others for guidance who themselves are looking to the others for guidance. A, a sort of um, thoughtless herd tendency. Not everybody the same, of course, but that's muchly going on. Today it's more in the intellectual. In the past it used to be more in the dogmatic religious or in the nationalist uh, clan, clan supremacist. Uh, that's still going on there too. So, okay, um, there's a hidden authoritarianism associated with that principle where the most people look to others for guidance and the others look to others for guidance rather than um, rather than looking within there will be an authoritarianism so the authoritarian personality most 3d repeaters have an authoritarian personality um, somebody in my in the Australian group that I co-lead with um, Louise every couple of weeks from Australia uh, mentioned this and I think he was absolutely right um, most people hear 3D mind repeating 3D repeating minds uh, look to human authority when, um, when they, they uh, tire of looking to each other or they're looking to the human authority which is understandable. And they either, there, there, there really are a lot of people who either wish to be led by others or wish to lead others. So there's a certain kind of dominance and submission game played here. BDSM. SM, uh, sadomasochist bondage domination. Well, <laughs> yeah, that, that's going on. Um, every sadist is a masochist. Every masochist is a sadist. Everyone who wants to dominate secretly has some corresponding polarized desire to be dominated. That's the way it goes. And seeking, um, trusting human authority is basically asking to be dominated <laughs> because uh, the negatives rise to the top and nobody seems to know that. Why? Well, um, there seems to be another tendency to um, blame others for misfortune and take credit for one's successes. Where there's failure, it's not my fault. Now, not everybody thinks this way, but a lot of people seem to. Blaming the other for misfortune while taking credit for fortune. Because there's the simple-minded thinking there. Well, I don't want to hurt myself. And 
So, of course I don't want to hurt myself. So, of course, if any harm came to me, it can't be due to me. You create your own reality. No. They create my trouble, and I create my success. It's commonly understood. And so the whole notion of uh, the subconscious, right? Freud, hey, hey. And the matrix, or the, the potentiator of the mind, right? The high priestess. The subconscious, the unconscious, that there are unrecognized tendencies is really not well known by a lot of people, it seems. So after 100, 150 years of psychology, uh, it's still not well known. It's mainly known only by the, what, uh, college educated and beyond. There's pop psychology. But in general, um, people don't want to take responsibility for their suffering, for their pain, for their illness, for their failures, for their mistakes, for their ignorance for their uh, mistaken um, perceptions or shock that they hadn't seen things. Commonly not. Some people do. Um, and most people don't, it seems. Uh, not knowing that there are tendencies in the personal deep mind that uh, are self-sabotaging or self-limiting or have har you know, harmful consequences. So if you if you offshore responsibility for for dukkha and claim credit for responsibility uh, authorship of sukha, my happiness is done by me, all my pain is done by you or them or someone out there, then there's no evolution. Ba boom, it's over. And in Buddhism, um, the term is going to be the the closest that I've found to the the. The Western term seeking is um, sankapa, sankalpa, sankapa, which happens to be uh, the second of the eightfold path, samas, the right what? Sankapa, uh, commonly translated as right thought, actually it's really much more like right intention or aspiration, right seeking. It's not just thinking right, it's thinking in the way of seeking continued development and also thinking in the way of seeking truth and uh, not seeking comfort or seeking knowing the difference between comfortable and true uh, what do I mean well <laughs> there's the joker Mr. Stephen Colbert and this fellow coined the phrase truthiness, which is as goofy as you can get, in my view. It's usually called honesty, you know? But this race is so damaged that they can't, <laughs> they can't even honestly label or term their dishonesty. They're dishonest in uh, acknowledging their dishonesty. <laughs> You know, Ra said, we can't plumb the depths of the distortions that infect your people, the paucity of honesty. Yeah, there is a poverty of honesty here. That's why they keep repeating. And actually, that's not, you know, after a certain amount of time, the young souls who are relatively young in mind are no longer being uh, judged by karmic law, as best as I can tell, for being young and thus ignorant and inexperienced and thus making mistakes because they don't have much experience. That's 
you know, chalk it up to youth to to youthful soul. Okay, but after a certain amount of time, they're no longer youthful, and the 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 deliberate avoidance of truth and honesty goes to the negative path, and you'll either go on the negative path or you're a slave of those on the negative path. You're either going to be uh, becoming an authoritarian or um, submission to authoritarians, and that's what we see here today where one long persists in an unwillingness to be honest. And Colbert nailed it pretty well on the Wikipedia page, top of the line, truthiness <laughs> is the belief or assertion that a particular statement is true based on the intuition or perceptions of some individual or individuals without regard to evidence, logic, intellectual examination, or facts. Truthiness can range, I mean... He, truthiness can range from ignorant assertions of falsehoods to deliberate duplicity or propaganda intended to sway opinions. It's called honesty or dishonesty. And they're so damaged that they can't handle the truth. Hmm. The truth of their inability to handle the truth. Or unwillingness. They have the ability. Everyone has ability. right? Self's a being of infinite worth, so worth is not a problem. And all, all look around, you see the creator, all beings of the creator. Okay, we all have Buddha nature, as they say. Fine. What is the what is the the self but a spark of light in limited awareness and energy fields of the you know from the source being infinite, infinity, Godhead. Okay. So I'm not putting down anybody's true nature. I'm saying uh, most people. Um, don't seem to realize that they're dishonest. <laughs> Where there's a lot of dishonesty. So this, e even here, there's a mistake. Truthiness is being here defined as belief or assertion that a particular statement is true. Okay, so it's believing something's true, asserting something's true, any particular idea that this or that is a truth. A belief or an assertion of the belief. Based on what? Based on intuition? Nothing wrong with that. Or perceptions of some individual individuals? That's okay. Without regard to evidence, logic, intellectual examination, or facts. It's basically like condemnation without investigation. Or assertion independent of thought. Thoughtless assertion. Low IQ narcissism. Uh, and it's, it dovetails, of course, with cognitive biases. Uh, cognitive biases are uh, deeply interwoven into the paucity or constituting the paucity of honesty that we find here in the collective. So, without regard to evidence, logic, intellectual examination, or facts, facts don't matter, my feelings do. Uh, not knowing the difference between a statement of opinion and a statement of fact. Presuming opinion equals fact. Well, opinion is the fact of an opinion. It's the fact that I have this opinion. But it's not a fact that my what my opinion refers to is necessarily true. It may be. It may not be. And so, and as I'm saying, looking to the crowd for your teacher and then alternating that with seeking... Uh, uh, seeking guidance or seeking truth from human authority or then at the worst becoming a corrupt human authority 
is um, very much what he what was written in the second line here, truthiness, or it's basically emotional assertions, emotional. It's basically emotional opinionatedness or emotional opinions taken as fact. Now they may be, even though I'm emotional, I may be saying the truth. Ah, that's another matter. But this truthiness, it's basically unsubstantiated claims that are taken as factual when they're simply opinions that actually reject examination. It's opinion stated as fact uh, devoid of investigation. So that assertion of presumed fact, which is just opinion, and now it may be a fact, <laughs> even if you speak emotionally. Even if there is no evidence, logic, intellectual examination, or facts, one can know. It's possible to know without in investigation. But <laughs> that's only buddhi. And one must know the difference between manas and buddhi, or be able to have a, a, my aim is true, like Elvis said, Elvis Costello. If your aim is true and you really love truth, love, love, then one may know without need to think, for sure. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about here. So this truthiness is basically presumed honesty. Dishonest and presumed honesty can range from ignorant assertions of falsehoods, meaning I follow <laughs> the authority who's a liar, or deliberate duplicity or propaganda intended to sway opinion, meaning I become an authoritarian. All right. But there's a quote down the page from Colbert, which I think is excellent. He said, what is important? What do you want to be, what you want to be true or what is true? Truthiness is, quote, <clears throat> this is his, his statement um, on uh, January 25, 2006. Truthiness, Colbert himself says, is, quote, what I say is right, and nothing anyone else says could possibly be true. Or only those who agree with me are speaking the truth because they agree with me and I know that I'm right. It's like if, say, if you say the sky is blue and I say, um, I think so too, you're right. I really mean you agree with me. Now, it may be the sky is blue or our visual perception. But there's this sense that since I'm since I feel this way strongly, I'm right. If you agree, you're right, because I'm right. Because <laughs> I'm me, in some sense, I think. He goes on, truthiness is, what I say is right, and nothing anyone else says could possibly be true, and I'd say, unless they, believe, unless they agree with me. It's not only that I feel it to be true, but that I, that I feel it to be true. There's not only an emotional quality, there's a selfish quality. Right. <clears throat> and so it's not only that I feel it to be true, but that I feel it to be true. Ah. So it's not only some kind of um, overvaluation of feeling and emotion. There's an overvaluation of uh, the apparent selfhood, of uh, the agent, of the subjective. It's true because I'm me. And I'm whatever I say I am. There is no objective. It's basically, uh, you know, radical sub subjectivism. 
what I say is true because I feel it and I'm me. Something like this. <laughs> <coughs> it's otherwise called dishonesty and folly. Now, uh, I want to jump in to read uh, Ajahn Sumedho from Wisdom Library, Four Noble Truths, Part 2, Right Aspiration, Right Samak Sankapa. We'll see some interesting things with Ajahn Sumedho here, <laughs> such as that he's a wanderer. <coughs> uh, but he rightly understands that Sama Sankapa, Sankapo, Sankalpa, Samkalpo, there are uh, many different re render renderings of it in Sanskrit and Pali. So Sama Sankapa, I would translate it as right intention or right seeking. I'll read the whole thing, uh, it's a dozen paragraphs or so, but very well done, I, I would say. Just a moment. He says from uh, chapter 4 of his book, um, The Four Noble Truths, 2004, collection of talks um, regarding the Four Noble Truths. So, the second of the Eightfold Path, <laughs> which actually relates to the path, the fourth noble truth. So, he goes on, or I'll go on. The second element of the Eightfold Path is Samasankapa, Sankapa. Sometimes it's translated as right thought, thinking in the right way. However, it actually has more of a dynamic quality like intention, attitude, or aspiration. I like to use aspiration, which is somehow very meaningful in this Eightfold Path, because we do aspire, meaning we seek. So, right seeking right motivation, right intention. He goes on. It's important to see that aspiration or sankapa is not desire or as desire is used. The Pali word tana means desire that comes out of ignorance actually means craving and it's more than desire. The Pali word tana means desire that comes out of ignorance meaning avidya, whereas sankapa means aspiration not coming from ignorance. Right, so spiritual seeking is not the same as raga, or desiring. Aspiration may seem like a kind of desire to us because in English we use the word desire for everything of that nature, either aspiring or wanting. You might think that aspiration is a kind of tanna, craving, thirst, wanting to become enlightened, bhava tanna. That's another story. But sama sankapa comes from right understanding, seeing clearly. It's not wanting to become anything, it's not the desire to become an enlightened person. With right understanding, the whole illusion, the way of thinking, no longer makes sense. And so <laughs> he pops out a uh, uh, some vipassana, some very uh, super mundane wisdom there, saying it's not wanting to become anything. Uh, although when we think about seeking, we're seeking what? I want to be enlightened. I want to be a Buddha. I want to be in Nibbana. I want Satchit. It's not wanting to become anything. It's not the desire to become an enlightened person, he said. Well, if one understands uh, the barest minimum of uh, anatta, there's no selfhood. Uh, one can't quite become an enlightened person, but I think he is sort of not understanding. You know, I mean, everybody's got their view, right? I think he's not understanding that an enlightened one while no longer a person is a reasonable 
you know, is a reasonable understanding of what in our common formulation we think is, I wish to become an enlightened person. Uh, so anyway, aspiration, he says, is a feeling, intention, attitude, or movement within us. Our spirit rises, it doesn't sink downwards. It's not desperation. Where there's right understanding, we aspire to truth, beauty, and goodness. Samaditi, right view, and samasankapa, it's right understanding and right aspiration. So he's calling samaditi right understanding. Well, normally it's called right view. I would say it's right view, but one's view is one's understanding. So right view and right intention uh, are called prajna, panya, or wisdom, because they make up the first of the three sections of the Eightfold Path, which is the wisdom section. Absolutely. We can contemplate. Why is it that we still feel discontented, even when we have the best of everything, or even when we're well? We're not completely happy, even if we have a beautiful house, car, perfect marriage, lovely bright children, all the rest of it. And we're certainly not contented when we do not have all these things. If we don't have them, we think, well, if I had the best, I'd be content. But we wouldn't be. The earth is not the place for our contentment. <clears throat> it's not supposed to be. Babylon will never be my home. When we realize that, we no longer expect contentment from planet earth. We don't make that demand. Uh, I would say uh, understanding the uh, intrinsic uh, deficiencies of third density and the intrinsic deficiencies of earth humanity, the collective, and the, it's the mix of the souls, right? You're not going to have paradise in a planet in a 3D cycle where the Logos allows so many negative souls, negatively oriented at a base of being, to incarnate. Period. Period, period. You can't have heaven on earth with 10, 20, 30 percent negative at base of being souls. Impossible. So I would say we should know, we should not expect abiding contentment in 3D Earth. Abiding contentment is not the same as contentment. I feel contentment often. I'm sure he does too. So it's not no longer expect commit contentment. It's no longer expect abiding, ceaseless, and unending contentment or a final a final fulfillment. So he goes on until we realize that this planet, uh oh, he's becoming a little interdimensional. Until we realize that this planet, Kamaloka, cannot satisfy all our wants, we keep on asking until we realize, <clears throat> meaning when you, when we're, when people are overestimating the fulfillment possible from Kamaloka, from this dimension, from the incarnation. We keep on asking, he asks or says, why can't you make me content, Mother Earth? We're like little children who suckle their mother, constantly trying to get the most out of her and always wanting her to nurture and feed them and make them feel content. That doesn't sound bad to me. That's seeking. We seek, we ever seek release from dukkha. We ever seek ceaseless sukha. We ever seek ceaseless sukha. Of course. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the engine... Dukkha is the engine of evolution. Dukkha is the engine that, that uh, impels us. Awareness of Dukkha. And then responsibility, which is taking ownership for Dukkha, which is what most people don't do. If you don't take ownership for your Dukkha because you offshore responsibility for your pain, that's what that means. I didn't do it. You did it. It's your fault. 
You made me angry. You made me crazy. You made me ill. If one is that way, then one can't learn from Dukkha, actually. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to get the most out of one's <laughs> suckling or one's fulfillment or one's pleasure or one's, one's development. Um, it's just mistaken to assume we can get it from conditioned phenomena. Ooh. That's so much more than most people can realize that conditionality, uh, samsara will never be my home. Babylon is samsara. This planet is not evil. Third density is not evil. Uh, all conditioned phenomena, including sixth density phenomena, don't give a final uh, sukkah, a final total sukkah. That's why one. That's why souls leave the octave, seeking endless, ceaseless sukkah. Goes on. He goes on. If we were content, we'd not wonder. We would not wonder about things. Yet we do recognize that there's something more than just the ground under our feet. There's something above us that we can't quite understand. We have the ability to wonder and ponder about life to contemplate its meaning. If you want to know the meaning of your life, you can't be content with material wealth, comfort, and security alone. Boom. So if one wants to know higher truth or essential truth, essential purpose, existential purpose, one won't be content with simply acquisition of material wealth or comfort or the security it provides, of course. <clears throat> so he goes on. So we aspire to, to know the truth. Not everyone. <laughs> Some people. Or, yes, maybe everyone wishes to aspire to know the truth, but very few people <laughs> seem to realize that they are stuck in subjective opinion that's mistaken. Subjective opinion may be accurate. It's just that one needs to consider, you know? Certainty without investigation or certainty without deep wisdom is a problem. So we aspire to know the truth. He goes on, you might think that this is a kind of presumptuous desire or aspiration. Really? <laughs> Who do I think I am? Little old me trying to know the truth about everything. But there is that aspiration. Yeah, you see, that, that, that's actually why people offshore, offload responsibility for their dukkha. <clears throat> because of low self-esteem, because of a damaged sense of self, karmic guilt, uh, karmic uh, self-rejection, karmic self-esteem damage, karmically wounded or karmically based self-esteem, self-image wounding. Second chakra blockage. And that's because this, at some level these souls know that they keep failing graduation. They keep repeating the grade. They keep repeating third grade. They keep causing dukkha to others and self. They know. The deep mind knows. And yet the conscious mind rejects. Thus, they have this... Thus, Sumedho calls out this notion, little old me trying to know the truth about everything. Who is the me that's being called little? Hmm. But there's that aspiration, he goes on. Why do we have it if it's not possible? Brilliant question. Why do we seek? Uh, is there no goal? Is there no final um, ceaseless sukha? Of course there is. It's called Nibban. It's called the eighth density. It's called freedom from 
the birth of, you know, the, the ocean of birth and death. <clears throat> but there is that aspiration. Why do we have it if it's not possible? It is possible. <laughs> Consider the concept of ultimate reality. An absolute or ultimate truth is a very refined concept. Mm. The idea of God, the deathless or the immortal, is actually a very refined thought. Yes, they're young in mind, so they can't do refined thought. If you can't, if you think you're just a schmuck, bozos on the bus, said Carla. Mm. If you think you're just a bozo on the bus, I don't think she really thought that, but she was in the similar line like Sumedo is speaking here, little old me trying to know the truth about everything. Uh, but it's true that the concept of ultimate reality and absolute or ultimate truth is a very refined concept, very refined thought, and the young in mind can't generate them. We aspire that the idea that there's this is Heraclitus nailed it again 2,500 years ago, saying, although the Logos is common to all, each man lives as if he has a pri his own private reality or universe. <clears throat> uh, people trust subjective opinion. They don't even know there's a difference between subjective and objective. They don't even know that the subjective may be way out of kilter to the objective, that there is a distinction. That's is young in mind, like an animal, actually. Animals don't even think about truth, not truth. They act on instinct and reflex, <clears throat> and that gets them through physical survival. But it doesn't do well with, with knowing. So, uh, he said, we aspire to know that ultimate reality. We do. That's the spark. That is the logoic basis of dukkha. The, the logoic basis of our response to dukkha is, I don't want bukkha, dukkha. The pleasure-pain principle. I don't want pain, I want pleasure. I don't want, want dukkha, I want sukkha. I acknowledge this is dukkha, not sukkha, and I want to get rid of it and get more happiness. <clears throat> that is from God. <laughs> that is from the Logos. That's inbuilt. That's why, the, that's why the spiraling light is upward. That's why the light is upward spiraling. <laughs> the light is upward spiraling because the light itself seeks to return to its source seeks freedom from distortion the light light itself seeks freedom hmm. thus it's at the core of our being this the the desire to seek so he goes on we aspire to know ultimate reality actually most here don't he goes on now we hit it <clears throat> the animal side of us does not aspire it does not know anything about such aspirations the animal side of us what do you mean side of us it's not a side of us. It's actually tendencies in mind that are holdovers while, while by, by the fact we have a second density body, or we have a 2D derived body, right? These bodies <clears throat> are mammalian of the mammal, mammal uh, genetic lineage. Thus, these bodies have instinctive tendencies. That's animalistic tendencies. And it's basically lower chakra blockage. Lower chakra blockage doesn't aspire. He goes on. It doesn't know, the animal side of us, quote, doesn't know anything about such aspirations, but there is in each of us an intuitive intelligence that wants to know. True. It's always with us, but we tend to not notice it. <clears throat> we don't understand it. We tend to discard or mistrust it, especially modern materialists. They just think it's fantasy and not real. The modern materialists, <laughs> the YOLO community, uh, which is growing, 
um, they have no notion of any uh, objective greater reality of joy or bliss or enlightenment to which we should aspire. They aspire for nothing more <clears throat> than material gain, material social gain, and the enhancement of their blockages. As for myself, he goes on, and here's the line, as for myself, I was really happy when I realized that the planet is not my real home. I had always suspected it. I can remember even as a small child thinking, I don't really belong here. Uh-oh, sounds like wanderer's alienation. So a John Tomato's a wanderer. How about that? In my view, in my subjective opinion without excessive investigation. I've never particularly felt that planet Earth is where I really belong. Uh-oh, even before I was a monk, I never felt I fitted into the society. For some people, this could just be a neurotic problem. But perhaps it could also be the kind of intuition children often have, or <laughs> wanderers who know rightly themselves. When you're innocent, your mind is very intuitive. The mind of a child is more intuitively in touch with mysterious forces than most adult minds are. Right. They have not yet been thickly brainwashed and indoctrinated by state-sponsored uh, education. Or narrow-minded, ideologically-based private education. As we grow up and become conditioned to think in very set ways and have fixed ideas about what's real and what's not, we go, we develop our egos. Uh-oh. Society dictates what's real and what's not, what's right and wrong, and we begin to interpret the world through those fixed perceptions, meaning internalizations of the opinions of the crowd. We take the crowd as our teacher. Conditioning family system conditioning children you know it, it's true of course family systems condition their children <clears throat> the societies condition all the members and including especially children that's what's happening today as we can see so as we develop our egos he says society dictates what's real and what's not what's right and what's wrong we begin to interpret the world through those fixed perceptions because we want to fit in we want to be accepted by the peers. Why? <clears throat> because standing alone is too painful for most. Anyway, he goes on. One thing we find charming in children is that they don't do that yet, meaning interpret the world through fixed perceptions. They still see the world with intuitive mind that's not yet conditioned. Right. So yet they still have karmic carry-through. It just hasn't fully precipitated um, in childhood. He goes on, meditation is a way of deconditioning the mind, yes, which helps us let go of all the hard-line views and fixed ideas we have. <clears throat> How about wrong view? It's, you can have a hard-line view that's, that's accurate <laughs> or uh, truthful and, and uh, indicative of a, of a phenomenal objective reality, like there is Anichanatadukkha is a view. Now, even that, however, <laughs> is the, 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 the three marks are empty, too, but that's another story. Anyway, uh, deconditioning the mind helps us let go of what I would say is mistaken and damaging dogmatic views and fixed ideas. Ordinarily, he goes on, what's real is dismissed, while what's not real is given all our attention. This is what ignorance of Ija is all about. Yes. The contemplation of our human aspiration connects us to something higher than just the animal kingdom or planet Earth. 
To me, that connection seems more true than the idea that this is all there is. That once we die, our bodies rot and there's nothing more than that. When we ponder and wonder about the universe we're living in, we see that it's very vast, mysterious, and incomprehensible to us. Right, so only somebody with wisdom <laughs> realizes incomprehensibility. Only the wise know ignorance. The ignorant presume themselves wise. Fool, the foolish, the, the fools, the fool, la fou, la fou, le fou, uh, basically presumes his wisdom, but he isn't, without, because he hasn't put the time in. Uh, but only the wisdom, only the relatively wise know how little they know. This is something that almost nobody talks about. I'm so happy to say how little I know. So happy. <laughs> because um, it makes me feel better than other people. Yes. <laughs> I have a distortion too. But it's also true. Yes. And, and you know, it, it also means that, that the hand is open. Not closed, not clenched to a fist. The hand of mind receptivity to deeper truth. Greater magnification. Greater breadth and depth. Greater depth, greater breadth, greater detail, greater uh, integration of the specific detail and the interconnected um, uh, gestalt of the whole. The, the in integration of breadth and depth. Mm, the integration of breadth and depth. 360 degree knowing. Is ever available when we realize we don't have it yet. And it ain't it's much less available, it's always available, but it's certainly not received, or we don't keep moving towards it, presuming we're uh, experts. <laughs> Expert, huh? However, he goes on, when we trust more the intuitive mind, we can be receptive to things that we may have forgotten or have never been open to before. We open when we let go of fixed conditioned reactions, right? And presumptions and assumptions. He goes on, final paragraph, we can have the fixed idea of being a personality, of being a man or woman, being an English person or an American. These can, things can be very real to us, and we can get very upset and angry about them when they're challenged. We're even willing to kill each other over these conditioned views that we hold and believe in and never question. Without right aspiration and right understanding, without prajna, we never see the true nature of these views. Without <clears throat> a commitment to seeking, Without commitment to seeking, I would say, is samasankappa. Uh, right intention is right seeking, I'd say. And it's seeking the good and the true and the beautiful. Seeking green, blue, indigo. Seeking to uh, bring, to, to grow the light. Brightness without glare, said uh, Yi Jing. Brightness without glare. Uh, <clears throat> supporting uh, in in harmony with the upward spiraling of the light uh, in harmony with light's upward spiraling every moment is a test to see if we can go higher said Nityananda. yes and so what's critical to that is right seeking right in, right aspiration or right intention and right view right view comes before right intention actually meaning samaditi precedes sama sankappa, because <clears throat> one must have the view that there's right and wrong, which really just means more or less accurate and uh, productive of benefit. 
that which we call correct and true in application is productive of a benefit that is not not possible when there's wrong view or mistaken uh, falsehood. Those that know uh, are not shocked. Those that didn't know are shocked. Those that know are not confused about this or that. I'm not saying I know everything at all. I'm just saying <clears throat> knowing prevents confusion. Knowing is the resolution of confusion. The more knowing, the less confusion. Meanwhile, <laughs> yeah, we got all sorts of folks and ourselves too that believe we know when we don't. Oh, but, but if we're willing to consider maybe I'm wrong or maybe this idea is wrong, I'm holding wrong idea. Maybe my view, these, you see that then, then that comes back. We go back again. Why do people take possession of opinion? <laughs> eh? why, is, why is there such territoriality to opinion? possessiveness people badge of honor i'm right you're wrong rather than this view i think is right and the view that you're espousing i think is wrong my view is right your view is wrong this view is right that view is wrong no my view is right i'm right i'm good i'm good because i'm right and you're bad because you're wrong because your opinion uh, doesn't support or contradicts my opinion and mine is right because it's mine just like Colbert said he's a joker but you know the, the court jester speaks truth regularly too it's not only I feel it but I feel it it's brilliant he that's wisdom that's a very clever that's a very clear discerning it's not only some kind of presumed veracity to to strong emotion if it's strongly felt it must be true but there's some presumed veracity to subjectivity it's right because it's mine i'm right and if you agree with me you're right too or if i i'm with them <laughs> i'm with stupid or i'm <laughs> i'm with the authority and i agree right the karens the Karens stand with authority. <clears throat> and they're right. Why? Because they presume the authority is right. Why? Because it's an authority. Why do people then have such authoritarianism? Because they have damaged self-esteem. Duh. Second chakra blockage equals fourth chakra blockage equals sixth chakra blockage. The six-two chakra band uh, is not flashing bright. There is some sense of I'm a thinking animal no more. And, and all of this fine distinction, uh, self as a being of infinite worth, there is a metaphysical. <laughs> there is an invisible. There is reality to phenomena of, uh, that are invisible. Uh, there is truth without proof. We just haven't proven. There are truths that we don't know. There's much more to creation and, and self or path or life or purpose then i know i know so little uh, such views can't happen well when people hate themselves and i think a lot of humans actually are very unhappy with themselves 3d repeaters don't love themselves they don't do love <laughs> if you repeat you're not doing love meaning you're not activating green ray sufficiently if there's not and what is love it's not simply i'm kind and caring 
it's I'm open to what is. I I I um, revere uh, what is, meaning the knowing of what is. Uh, I love truth. That's what that's all about. Loving truth. <clears throat> and um, this is a time in history where very few people even know there's objective truth to be loved. And they think themselves lovers of truth already. Meanwhile, they're commonly full of, of no-go zones and uh, commonly fall into uh, aggressive uh, statement of opinion come fact, meaning uh, the strength of their feeling they presume an uh, indicative of veracity of true. It's true because I feel it so strongly. Or it's true because I feel it so strongly. Meanwhile, <laughs> that, that of, is a distorted expression on the polarity where actually they're not very happy with themselves. And uh, though they feel it strongly, the feeling is even more dukkha than pure knowing. So they deny the pain they're in. The, the wanderers, uh, brothers and sisters of sorrow, coming here to bring love light to the denied, hated sorrow of 3D repeaters who are not very happy with themselves. Mm -mm -mm. And really um, go to YOLO as default. YOLO is default for the self-deceivers. YOLO is self-deception. Self-deception is uh, offshoring, <laughs> offloading responsibility for Dukkha is the way of the wounded self. The wounded self um, can't accept rightful when it is rightful responsibility for their dukkha only for their sukkha they're too weak to hear the truth uh, that the three monkeys reject the three monkeys uh, see no evil hear no evil speak no evil it's evil to say i'm wrong to think i'm mistaken to think i don't know too much to say i'm young i'm i'm growing i'm not a bozo but I got a lot to go. I got a, we got a long way to go. Uh, why? Because the goal is that the, the context is infinity, you know. And so they set low standards for themselves because they really don't like themselves because they, there is such self-aversion. I mean, to trust lying genociders, mm -mm -mm. to trust liars, to trust the hardcore service to self, to revere hardcore service to self and consider them virtuous yeah it's a you know it, it's a community of folly and and they're on their way to yet another uh, messy 3d cycle termination after which most of them will nearly all will repeat the cycle in the similar configuration of master servant or authoritarian and subjugated in another 3d planet or other 3d planets it's very likely that's evolutionary stasis so folks upstairs if you want to help them um evolve or or possibly get out of third grade eventually um try working on um shoring up rightful uh, self-care self uh, love not narcissism but true self-care and i would i mean my suggestion 
which has been noted already, uh, um, tie together selfish intention with morality. Uh, the golden rule is good for me. Uh, I, me, my, me first. The selfish intention at the mind uh, is a very weak selfish intention. It's a very wounded narcissism. It's very wounded self-glorification. Uh, and it's not everybody's like that. There, are, I meet a lot of people who are decent. It's just the loudest ones and the leadership seem to be seriously damaged. But you know, also, that I meet everyone or everyone I meet, nearly everyone I meet is decent. I don't know them very well. <laughs> I don't live with them. So actually, we... I feel nearly everyone I meet is decent, but I really don't know them at all, actually. <laughs> They're decent to me in the one minute of our interaction. Uh, so I actually don't know them very well. But I would say in another in the 3D cycle for the 3D repeaters whose karma deserves it, come in with a, a show of force of wanderers early in the cycle or early in the... Um, infrastructure development, technological development phase of that cycle, and teach them that it's in your self-interest, it's good for you to be moral and harmless and honest and um, committed to uh, the, be the best for all. Win-win is best for you, and win-lose is self-harming. Because the just the, the, the consequences of win lose or domination to get happiness, the negative path, is even more suffering and pain coming your way. So only harmlessness will make a loving, beautiful society, which is very doable, but not here for now. <laughs> the game's over. The game is ending. But so anyway, in that case I hope one can tie together these notions of humanity as young in mind this being a condition of evolutionary stasis, there being a hidden authoritarianism in the mind of many folks here, uh, authoritarian in the way of self-subjugation or desire to subjugate other, that that itself comes from second-ray blockage, low self-value, uh, damaged sense of self, which itself then is a basis for habitual offloading of uh, responsibility for dukkha and pain and failure and trouble and conflict and all that one doesn't like. And then thus they can't have any right view that um, there, is, uh, there is abiding joy to be sought. Um, it's just not in the material world, it's the kingdom of heaven is within. So not, no, not wanting to look within because there's so much pain in the mind, in the heart, in the subconscious, you can't look within. <laughs> you won't find the kingdom of heaven within if you don't look, at, if you don't look within. <laughs> and what one will find if one looks within, first is what one has been avoiding, which is one's dukkha, one's pain. And um, self-sabotage and how I make trouble for me and how I hurt them and how I feel guilty and regret, remorse, and all this, one will see what one has avoided when one looks within. But on the other side of that, when it, when it passes away and withers and uh, declines, 
one will find the kingdom of heaven within as well. And so that's it for today. I hope that's helpful. We're coming up on 60 minutes. Till next time, whenever it may be, take good care. See you next time and good night.